off the rails from the US cluster payment station. Hello and welcome to Off the Rails from the U.S. Faster Payments Council, sponsored by Volante Technologies. I'm your host, Reed Lutanen, Executive Director of the U.S. Faster Payments Council. I'm excited to bring you this discussion with Anthony Walton, CEO and co-founder of Iliad Solutions Limited. We'll talk about the ins and outs of ISO 20022, hit on some blockchain stuff, fraud, and Premier League football. But first, let's hit some headlines. The FPC fall member meeting wrapped up last week. It was so great to see friends old and new and dig into some unbelievably intriguing discussions on APIs, fraud, financial inclusion, digital currencies, and so much more. If you're a member and you couldn't make it in person, don't worry. We'll be posting recordings of the sessions so you can catch up that way. And a big thank you to our member meeting sponsors, BNY Mellon, Finsley, MasterCard, North American Banking Company, Open Payment Network, PSCU, Shazam, The Clearinghouse, Trustly, and Wells Fargo. As I've mentioned a number of times, the FPC and NACHA will be teaming up to develop the very first Faster Payments Professional Accreditation. Participation in the development of this important industry program is open to all FPC members, so if you're interested, please reach out to us at info at fasterpaymentscouncil.org. We'll be hosting an informational webinar on October 4th, so if you're interested in learning about the program, that's a great opportunity to get plugged in. And looking forward to October, FPC and Alacrity will be hosting an event during the AFP annual conference at the Lucky Strike Bowling Lanes in Philadelphia on October 25th. This will be a fun opportunity to network with industry peers and have some fun in a historic American city. We will be sharing more details on the event and registration in the near future, but mark your calendars now. Like I said, that is October 25th. Okay, that's enough of the headlines. It's time for that discussion with Anthony Walton from Iliad Solutions. All right, we are joined by Anthony Walton from Iliad. Anthony, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Reid. Always a pleasure to catch up and uh, hope we can get through quite a few things in the next 20 minutes or so. Absolutely. Let's just get right into it. That's great. All right. Well, I'm excited about this discussion being joined by Anthony today because in the US, we're grappling with this transition to ISO 20022 and what it's going to mean here and I've got you here to help us talk through some of that. If you would, Anthony, could you sort of set a foundation for the audience? What is ISO 20022? What is it not? Sure. Thanks very much, Reed, and thanks for the invitation. Um, yeah, I think very simply, ISO 222 is a global standard for the exchange of financial information. I mean, that's often payments, and within payments, that's often transactions. Uh, what it also allows you to do is uh, exchange a lot more additional information that you would, than you would normally collect on a traditional payment. So you'll see it described as being data rich. You'll see it described as driving harmonization. But I think fundamentally, it's just a global standard to exchange financial information, what we used to call payments. Great. Uh, so you been... what it's not to, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, what it's not is um, it's not necessarily fixed into a, into a single static use case. Uh, there's many different ways to implement ISO 222. Um, 
I think what it's not is it's not always that easy to implement. There are challenges, there's new technologies, there's a lot of changes within organizations to adopt this way of working. And what it's not, again, is it's not a silver bullet. This isn't the one thing that's going to transform your bank or your payment scheme. Um, it's flexible and powerful as it is, like all technologies, you have to do an awful lot of things around the edges as well to take full value. Yeah. So like anything else that we call a standard, there's lots of different approaches and ways to implement that standard. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So I know you and you personally, I'm sure, but also your company, you've been through a number of payments modernization initiatives in various markets around the world. And I would guess that there are considerable lessons learned when it comes to those implementations and specifically to the use of ISO 20022. And I think that's exactly the kind of thing folks here in the U.S. would love to hear about and maybe hopefully not, you know, avoid some of those mistakes and learn the lesson without having made the mistakes. So from your perspective, you know, what are those lessons learned? What are some best practices for moving to instant payments and to ISO 20022 for other payment types, I suppose? Sure. I think the first observation is that they are surprisingly different. You know, we're in our eighth, tenth implementation in eight countries now. And you'd assume it'd be very similar every time. And we thought it'd be like a cookie cutter every time we go into a new territory. And it hasn't, you know, guess what? It's not really the case. Um, some of the observations we, we found that occur time and time again is, first of all, you've got to consider the, the parties that are involved in getting one of these schemes uh, to the market. So there's the scheme itself. And obviously, there's a lot of competing schemes in the US at the minute. There's a clearinghouse, the Fed, and you know, lots of other people trying to get into this space. And you could even argue SWIFT playing a complementary role. So you've got the scheme, then you've got the technology providers, the kind of companies that are providing the solutions that enable the banks and the schemes themselves to, to connect everything together. Um, it's a market that when we do deals this significant and projects this significant, uh, there would normally be an implementation partner, a consultancy in the mix. And then last but not least, you've got the banks themselves. Um, and the banks in, in certain markets have, have a lot of power and they can adjust and tweak how they wish to, to implement a solution. So what we found that plays out nicely in our engagements is that if we can try and make things look simple, um, add some clarity, you know, instead of getting a 200 page PDF and it's the need a certificate and tokens and all that kind of good stuff, once you can see the kind of messages whizzing around the system, it, it kind of all makes sense. And then I think what we've got to do is you've got to, you know, a bank will have a way of sending payments already, which may be significantly different, but at some level is very similar. So you'll have an account, you'll have a balance, you'll be hopefully doing some anti-money laundering checks, you'll be using KYC. So again, the quicker that we can enable the banks, the participants to see what they have to do to participate in the scheme, the better. And obviously it's better for the scheme because the quicker they can get volumes and transactions through the scheme itself, the quicker they start getting a, a return on their investment. So, so we're looking to do anything that makes it as clear as possible, as early as possible in the project. Right. And then just to make things even a little bit more complicated, there are APIs, and in some cases, open APIs that are also a huge part of all this. And of course, the FPC, we've got a work group focused on instant APIs led by Dean Nolan from Fifth Third Bank. And so it's definitely something that we're looking to advance here in the United States. How do you see the confluence of the advent, or you know, I suppose the explosion maybe, of APIs in payments and ISO 20022? Yeah. Um, I think we're here today to talk about how quickly ISO 222 has been adopted globally, and I've got some numbers that back that up a little later on. Uh, but you can make, equally, you can make an argument for the adoption of AP, open APIs. 
that's just going crazy at the moment as well. So you've got these two very different technologies that complement each other very well. Um, one of the things we found in Europe, uh, especially in the UK, and the UK went live with faster payments in 2005, 2007, I don't remember which, was it attracted an awful lot of fraud day one. You know, you can move money quickly. It's a new technology. It's put in front of a consumer. They don't question it perhaps as something they've done a hundred times before. Um, so one of the initial ways um, that it was improved was, was through APIs. So for example, you can make an API call to confirm the name of the person you're sending money to. So immediately there was an overlap of, of two technologies there. Um, but I think they are very complementary. If you look at ISO 222, or 20 or 22, depending how you want to pronounce it. I'm not going to win this argument. <laughs> we can't agree in the office. Never there's, mind. there's no standard for that either. We just call it 22 in the office. Yeah, let's let's think about standards and call it a different thing. Um, you know, in very simple terms, I, I always think of an API as something that's on my iPhone, yeah? So that's the JSON, the YAML world in, in technology terms. And then I think of the 22 world as the, the things that connects the banks, the financial institutions to the schemes and, and to each other. So, you know, if we go into a conversation with one of the big schemes, we'll, we'll start off talking about 2022. And then within a half an hour, we're talking about how it can be better consumed using open APIs. So those two worlds are, are, are very much in the same mix. Uh, and if you think of a, of a bank or a scheme doing a big technical refresh, you have to kind of address them both in parallel. You can't do one and then do the other. They are very, very much uh, intermixed. Um, and what we're finding now in, you know, we're, we're working in eight countries, um, you know, the Middle East, in South America, North America, Europe. Um, we're finding things like hybrid messages. So, you know, if you give somebody 1,024 bytes in an XML message, they're, they're going to use it for all kinds of things. So, you know, we've got JSON messages embedded in XML messages. We've got whole XML, you know, ISO 20 or 22 elements hidden within JSON messages whizzing around on APIs. So there's already this hybrid mix. Um, and it, it's a really interesting battle. You'd think that APIs are a little bit easier to implement if you're a merchant or a retailer. Uh, but the 20 or 22 world gives you, you inherit a lot of security through that. You know the bank's talking to the right banks. It's protected by certificates and all kinds of technical secure features. So they really are interoperable at the moment, and you, you basically have to do both. Um, I'd have thought in the future APIs maybe seem to be the thing that wins out, but my view is interoperability always beats technical features. And you see that all the way through technology, you know, Betamax and VHS. Or it, it's not really worth arguing about the, the details. If you can use it quickly and safely, then I, I think 222 is going to kind of lead the way, I guess. Yeah, I think uh, history is definitely littered with examples of maybe a superior technology losing out to something that people more readily adopted, right? Absolutely. All right. Uh, and so you talked about this a little bit, but uh, how do financial institutions handle all that? What's what's the approach there? Yeah, I think, you know, we have to be sympathetic to the financial institutions. They're absolutely being bombarded with, with, with things they need to do. So, you know, you'll often see studies by the big consultancies saying that, 70% plus of a bank's IT spend is, is basically keeping the lights on. You know, they've got the legacy systems. Um, 
they have to do through regulation uh, an awful a lot more things. You know, you look at AML, you look at KYC. So the banks are busy. They need to keep up with technology like 2022. And, you know, you have to, you can't really be a mainstream bank and not offer a faster payments within your market. Um, and what we also find is that a lot of the newer technologies that they deploy, especially again, I keep coming back to AML and KYC, but, you know, being sure you know who you're talking to and is paramount to doing any kind of transactions. And, you know, the identity world is very much overlapping now with the payments world. Um, but they'll be using things like Agile and DevOps. So, you know, not just are they trying to replace what they've got with, with something similar, the, the whole way they're working is changing. I think we've got to be, you know, very kind of sympathetic to that view. I, I don't know an IT department in a bank who's sat around thinking, this is great, you know, they're all the shop. <laughs> no, no, not another one. Set it and forget it. All right. Well, then how about we make it even more complicated and talk about cross-border? You know, what are some of the considerations there? How do we all navigate that? And I guess, you know, a fun question, I think the topical one these days is, do you see digital currency and blockchain technology playing a role there? Sure. I guess, uh, you know, once we've got faster payments in place and, you know, the logical next step is to go cross-border, I guess, isn't it? With real, and there's, you know, there's a number of real-time payment systems globally just trying to do that. Um, I think what we've got to remember is when we do domestic payments, whether it's in the US or the UK, you know, we're, we're under the jurisdiction of something like the, the Fed, the European Central Bank, or the Bank of England, who, who take responsibility for the banks moving money between themselves. So that gives us a lot of flexibility to do things on the app side, on the kind of creative side. Um, but of course, you lose that when you start going cross-border and liquidity between banks becomes a, and central banks even, becomes a, a massive issue. Um, and it's complicated. So, you know, already we're seeing people with solutions and competing solutions in many ways using APIs to control liquidity. Um, I don't think there's a clear winner in that space yet. Uh, and when it comes to liquidity, of course, we've got to reconsider our old friend fraud, you know. And again, if, if you've got a central bank looking after two banks, you don't have to worry that much about a bank going rogue. I mean, it happens occasionally and banks do collapse, but that's kind of taken care of. If you start moving into less um, mature markets, new markets, new new countries joining payment schemes, you have to be a, a lot more careful. Um, so we're, we're seeing a, a kind of a flight to people doing hybrid solutions using open APIs. Again, don't think they're that well thought through or could be rolled out globally. Um, and that's a clear position where things like central bank digital currencies and even blockchain derivatives can really play a part. Um, theoretically much simpler. Um, Looking at how they're regulated is going to be a, a huge issue, but they're certainly going to be in the mix in the next few years. Yeah, totally agree with that. I think there's, it's kind of in that space along with APIs and everything else that we're kind of figuring out how it's all going to fit together, but there's definitely a role to play. All right. You ready to play a game, Anthony? Yeah. All right. We're going to play some buy or sell. So you're to, I'm going to throw some stuff out there. You're going to let us, let our audience know whether you agree and buy or disagree and sell and tell us why. All right. Faster payments have been a game changer for payments in other markets. Buy or sell? Buy. Uh, just reading today, to be up to date, 80% of the world's financial transactions next year will be using 2022. It's in 70 countries. It's kind of one already, yeah? All right. It's a buy. How about, buy. based on that, buy or sell that faster payments will be a game changer here in the United States? Yeah, I think it will. Uh, I think it's got the simplest 
uh, business proposition you could ever think of? Would you rather get your money in two seconds or three working days? It's just going to fly. Yeah, I, I know my answer. <laughs> all right. Faster payments have a role in all kinds of use cases. Buy or sell? Buy again. I'm getting boring with my buys. Uh, but I think if you look at any kind of merchant-based activity, the fact that you can get your money instantly, you can ship the goods, enables you to do an awful lot of things. I think this is going to enable a lot of account-to-account -account transactions, and that's going to really challenge the card fees that are charged by the big card schemes at the moment. And you would assume it's going to be a lot cheaper than the fees. So I think you know, it's going to change the whole world very, very quickly in the US. Another buy. Uh, hopefully this next one, at least for you, hopefully this next one is also a buy. So you're a big football fan. Football season just started here. Now we think of football as something different, I suppose. Uh, but how about this? Leeds United is right now and they're in the middle of the table in the Premier League. At least they were when I looked, which at least for the moment is a nice improvement from where they finished last season, uh, which was nearer to the bottom. Uh, any chance Leeds can finish above their rivals, Manchester United or Chelsea? I can't give you a buy or sell here. We've got a new American coach, so we don't know. You know, it's a bit Ted Lasso. It's uh, everything's up in the air. But the only thing I've learned about football or soccer, as you call it, is um, it's the hope that kills you. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope we will, but I can't give you a buy or sell. I know that's not the answer you want. I'll go for um, sell. I'll be negative because I'm a uh, well, at least that way you'll be pleasantly surprised if it ends yeah, up happening. Absolutely. All right. Instant payments like FedNow and RTP are enough different from other payments that it's best for financial institutions to set them up under a separate team than, say, wires. Yeah, I think this kind of overlaps. Just talking about a few minutes ago about how the banks need to reorganize themselves to take advantage of these things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, we've got a couple of overarching technologies here with 20 or 22 and open API. Um, banks today, you know, the last 40 years have evolved into silos. So you have a wires team, you have a team that does Swift. And that, that seems to be more malleable these days. It tends to be the technological function that ser serves lots of different endpoints, whether endpoints, the Fed or TCH or Swift. So I think that's really, really beginning to change very, very, very quickly now. And the way that the teams underneath the CTO was structured is now very different from how it was five years ago. All right. ISO 2022 is worth the trouble of converting, buy or sell? Buy. Um, I don't think you've got a choice from that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and I think it's, you know, as complicated and troublesome as it may be, it's, it's probably better than not doing it. So I think, you know, the push from the negative side is you can't participate in these schemes. You, you've simply got to do it. Well, I, I tell you, coming from a corporate environment where if you could put compliance on a project, you knew you were getting it done. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Offering instant payments will very quickly become a competitive advantage that will win business for FIs who have invested. Buy or sell? Another buy. And again, it's going back to the negative. If you're not in that space, you're going to be massively disadvantaged and be uncompetitive. Um, one of the things we saw in the UK uh, was the, the role played by the corporates. Uh, so things like HMRC, which is the equivalent of IRS, they really plugged into this. You can you know, guess what, this is great news. You can pay your tax quicker, you know? Uh, and I think there's a lot of things kind of hidden underneath the, underneath the covers that, that enable better payments. Uh, the tax authorities here, they would know the money was for me for my tax, 
but it could have been based on my salary or some inheritance or a capital gain. And they find it re really hard on the back-end systems to reconcile those payments. And of course, with the richer data you get through 2022, it makes it just that little bit easier. Yeah, well, I, I, you know, I hear people talk about that, like, well, I don't care how quickly the recipient gets it necessarily, but in some cases it means that you can, as the sender, send it a little later too, right? You can, mm. you know, so you have some some additional flexibility potentially in order to and still get it there on time. Yeah, and it gives you a cash flow benefit on both sides, doesn't it? Because right. generally, all things being equal, the recipient, recipient is going to get the money quicker, but as you just pointed out, you can send it that little bit slower as well, should you need to do so. Right. Um, but yeah, it's kind of a win-win on both sides. And, you yeah. know, I don't know if the banks disagree, but, you know, not having $10 billion in a floating account at any given time, to my mind, is a better thing than, than the status quo. Right. Okay. So, Anthony, you've won the buy or sell game. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. All right. Let's, uh, let's, why don't we move on to our lightning round? Sure. All right. One thing about ISO 2022 that people might not be aware of. I think the big thing is it's not necessarily just used by the payments industry, uh, the financial institutions. Um, I'll save you the time, but if you Google something called FDX, it's used for all kinds of things, securities, contracts. You see insurance companies using it. So one of the things, trying to keep it as short as possible, but you know, payments are a very, very secure way of transacting. And I think that can be leveraged if you're doing a contract or an insurance policy. So we're seeing a lot of that a lot of non-payments financial transactions moving into the 20 or 22 space. All right. And when we were prepping, you said something about a term MQ. And so I was just curious, what is it and why do we care? It's uh, predominantly from IBM. It's a message queuing system. Uh, it's massively used by real-time faster payment schemes around the world. It's hugely powerful. Once you get it working, it works beautifully, but to get it working can be complex. And it's worth investigating how you're going to implement that yourselves perhaps before you start looking at the messages. All right. I would guess a lot of people listening already knew that, but I bet some people didn't. Yeah. All right. Yep. Tell me a faster payments use case that has surprised you in terms of its popularity in the UK. It's going back to what I said about tax and, you know, who wants to talk about tax? <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, HMRC got into this really quickly in faster payments. So I think the majority of taxation payments both ways uh, through faster payments in the UK at the minute. And, you know, when I was reading about this 15 years ago, it never occurred to me that that would probably be one of the highest volumes in use cases. All right. Tell us a musical artist that we should all pull up on our streaming service of choice. Okay. I've always been a bit of a geek when it comes to music. I've always liked my synthesizers. I saw these guys a couple of weeks back, and it's Kraftwerk with oh, a K, okay. yep. German band. Uh, yeah, still, still doing it very well, even though... Two of them are no longer with us. Uh, but yeah, that'd be my, my recommendation you might not have heard of. All right. Well, I'm not going to pirate their music and add it to the show, but you guys can look it up on the on a streaming <laughs> service of your choice. All right. And if we ever had us, if we had a streaming service, I probably would mention them specifically if they if we had one as a member. All right. What's something <laughs> you think about that you think more people should be thinking about? I think what I'd like to encourage is uh, I've kind of touched on this about banks reorganizing themselves. Um, a bank will have a way to pay another bank very as, as quickly or as slowly as possible. So, so when you're thinking about the new one, don't think about a like-for-like -like replacement. Think about what that can enable you to do and the different kind of uh, commerce you can you can drive through that channel. I think that's what I'd encourage people. Don't just say we've got wires and we're going to do this. 
well, we've got this one, Swift, and an old one, we're going to do Swift new one. I think it's a, it's a time where you can take that little step back and think about the things you can do rather than things you've always done for 20 years. All right, the, the art of the possible. Sure. All right, biggest opportunity for banks when it comes to implementing instant or faster payments? Um, I think the thing is, is just to remove the friction from the process, the embedded finance we read a lot about now. Um, you know, I don't really, you know, if I'm out for, friends with, for dinner with friends and I want to give them half the money, I'll probably, I'll probably go on my banking app now and just send it. So I'm not really thinking about the mechanism behind the schemes there. It, it just kind of happens. So I think any kind of transparency we can bring to the market's good. I think the, um, the fraud challenge is massive. If you can move money quickly, you can move it between five accounts in 20 seconds. That's, that's a challenge for the banks if you ever want to get it back. Um, and I think increasingly it's very much overlaying now with, with identity. So, you know, just simple terms. If I can prove who I am and I know with 100% certainty who you are, we can transact in, in perhaps new ways and, and in quicker ways and, and more efficient ways. Um, and again, that's been driven by open APIs in the UK, proving who you are at that level. So I think that's the big thing is that, you know, the, the payment itself becomes transparent and that, you know, I don't have to go on my banking app to send money. I'll just, you know, from another app, I'll just send the money to you, for example. So it's kind of hidden. Um, but I think that will, that will open an awful lot of opportunities. Yeah, I totally agree. All right, Anthony, final thoughts for the audience. I just think we're in the middle of a storm almost. I think the whole world's changing within payments. Um, I think, you know, I'd encourage everyone to step back and, as a, as a vendor, I'd say, look at new technologies out there, seek out the people who can help you. Uh, but it's certainly an incredibly um, interesting time. You, you've got 222, we've got open APIs, and we've got new ways of working, the DevOps and the Agile, and it, it's changing how everything works within our industry. And I think it's a really great time to be here. Yeah, totally agree. It's a lot of fun, lots of things happening, lots of things changing. So, so I really appreciate you getting on and helping us make sense of some of this. Thank you very much, Reid. And that is all for this episode. Thank you again to Anthony for joining us and providing all those insights. It was really great. Uh, and thank you all for listening. Please, please don't forget, like the show, share it with your fellow colleagues. Uh, I'll talk to you all in a couple weeks.